1: Oh, that's the johnny mckeg band we are the piffles podcast and we do not suck give us a follow on twitter at piffles pod you can give me a follow
0: alex at real alex D. and we're switching things up because that's not our usual intro so i don't know what to do from here well usually it's steve that talks.
1: wait wait steve hello where's steve hello we can't do this out of order this is weird
0: i know you think we'd be used to it by now Damn part time Steve, coming and going, playing hockey everywhere, winning oh, me, championships. Champion. Mm. On the plus side, he's got more championships than Austin Matthews.
1: <laughs> he's getting ripped to shreds for winning the Hart Trophy.
0: Keenan Thompson absolutely roasted him tonight. So uh, we're recording this on Tuesday night, just after the NHL awards, and Keenan Thompson on the way out of the episode. Uh, good to see the Leafs finally win something in June. And then just Mike cuts, just perfect. That was excellent. Anyway, Steve's not here. And I'm so I'm doing the heavy lifting for two people. And uh, I don't care today. So it uh, looks like it's for three people. There we go.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, Piffles Podcast brought to you by our great friends on Dairy Queen on Stone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Check us out on Twitter at PifflesPod, Facebook.com slash Piffles Podcast.
0: And I still don't need your pity. Follows Zachary on sports, and don't follow Steve either. He was no, complaining. Don't. He was complaining about you people, and he said you people
1: very risque show here <laughs> saying those two words right now. Let's uh, jump right into it. Time for the opening kickoff. We'll start off with the Riders beating the Edmonton Elks on Saturday, twenty six sixteen. I said it was going to be closer than it should have been. Although I also said bet your mortgage, so if you uh, did bet your mortgage, yay, you won. But you were probably cursing me up and down for. Well, uh, I said I
0: said they oh. were going to cover the spread, and they did. So the spread was still four and a half, five and a half, depending on where you got it. So um, I guess the people, uh, the odds makers, are smarter than we are. That's a really low bar.
1: Um, we'll talk about the big story in a bit. Obviously, Dan Clark with his broken leg and shifted ankle bone. That just ah. ugh, that, that mm. gives me the shivers. Not even just the, the broken leg. It's just ooh, a shifted ankle bone. That's just... Ugh. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a uh, in a couple of minutes here. But I want to start with the defense. Uh, we knew that they were going to ball out. And they did, again, five sacks, a couple interceptions, fumble recoveries. This defense is legit, and I know I said it last week, but I really think we're underestimating how good this
0: defense is going to be this season. The Riders' defense has more sacks than the entire Eastern Conference combined. I, that stat—that it was John Hodge of Three Donation that put yeah. that out.
1: Had every team's stat total, the Riders had thirteen in the first. Uh, and the next
0: closest is four. Like it's—it's it's not even close. Like, don't get me wrong, the eight-sack game, and it's two games in, of course, so you got an eight-sack game against uh, Hamilton. That's definitely going to pad your numbers. But still, like, and also on the low point, the Riders gave up four sacks this week. So our uh, sack ratio is still pretty damn good, but the the offensive line wasn't as stalwart as they were last week. But that defense, whoo. Like, they were all over the place. Yeah, they they made a lot of mistakes, and a lot of it came to discipline, but that defense, they, they're going to feast all year, and it's going to be great. I can't wait till Winnipeg, because I think they're going to punch Winnipeg in the throat finally.
1: Well, that offensive line, let's go there next. Giving up the four sacks uh, wasn't their best game, but, uh, I mean, definitely wasn't their worst. The worst part about it was them giving up the sacks when – Edmonton was only rushing three like Edmonton was getting constant pressure. But to me, it was, it was more so on the tackles. I thought Vaughn had a pretty poor game. Natai Rogers was God awful all game long. I thought the interior was actually the strength of the team.
0: Oh yeah. No, the interior played very well. And unfortunately we're going to have to find out what that looks like without Dan Clark for the foreseeable future. But yeah, Natai Rogers and Vaughn did not have a good game by any means. Um, so I'm wondering actually if with Natai and uh, Dickinson talking about discipline and how this is going to affect guys playing time, Natai took uh, what was it, one or two really dumb penalties. So I think uh, we might actually see Campbell next game. I'm, I'm hoping anyway.
1: Well, likely Campbell uh, dresses as the sixth man. I'm, I'm assuming that's probably going to be his role. So maybe it might be making that switch, make giving him the shot at tackling going the four Canadians on that offensive line. But the, they got the run game going, which was great. Jamal Morrow had a fantastic game, 126 yards on the on the touchdown. And that touchdown, the double fullback eye
0: formation with Moro behind them. Every the old school, on. every you could hear cool. every old school football guy basically reenact when Harry meant Sally. Like every guy on old school football guy on Twitter was just losing their mind. Double fullback. You don't see that much anymore. Beautiful. I and love it. it. And it just plowed road like it literally just opened up the hole and he was in. It was great. So it was good to
1: see them finally get getting the run game going, but they stopped in the third quarter and didn't uh, really run the ball until near the end of the game again. And I was like, "What are you guys doing?" It was working so well in the first half, and I know adjustments, and you try to outcoach the other team, but make them stop you first. Edmonton was not going to stop them at all. Didn't like once. Ever stop them for a short game.
0: Keep pounding the ball. That's a that's a Moss offense, though. I think he was starting to hurt himself by running the ball that many times. Like every, every time it did, like a picture and an attic got uglier, because Moss just hates the run game that much. I don't know. Like yeah. Moss, Moss is never a never was a running back coach to begin with, so he's going to he's always going to focus on the air game. And he thought he could go to it in the third quarter, which. Got a little iffy there for a little bit.
1: Well, that's when the Riders ended up uh, falling behind a little bit. And in the fourth quarter, giving up the lead, which was ridiculous. And I was just shaking my head watching that game. It's like, are you kidding me? It, just, it was that classic trap game where they made Edmonton look better than they were. They were breaking down coverages. Roland Milligan was missing guys. The safeties weren't in the spots covering deep. And like Manuel Arsenal had that 66-yard catch like you guys just are refusing to cover some of these guys Kenny Lawler had a huge game and that's why he makes 300k and that touchdown I
0: still stand yeah. by I stand by, by my god I don't care if he had a good game against I stand by my comments on Kenny Lawler but at the same time I think a lot of the, a lot of the players were starting to play tentative because they didn't know when a flag was going to come up and yes some of that was self-inflicted but some of those calls were like borderline what are they doing out there well the the
1: first on like on uh, Derek Moncrief. Absolute joke. Okay, he did a little bit of a flex with Manny Arsenault, but they were jawing back and forth. Okay, you know what? Let them have it. No one shoved. They didn't even shove each other. It was just they got close to the to each other's face. They weren't even in each other's faces. And he did a little bit of a flex, s- screaming out, let's go that's not worth a flag like come on that's al bradbury trying to make himself the star of the game this is al bradbury being al bradbury and normally i don't like the crap on saskies but he's god awful
0: like oh it was completely the uh, Al uh, uh i can't even say that the al bradbury yeah. show like, like he made it all about himself and if steve was here i'd be singing right now because i had a song written perfectly for him <laughs> Cause there's a million flags he hasn't thrown, but just you wait, just you wait. Cause his name is Alexander Bradbury, but. Oh, it was ter- like, I almost was ready to go on a Bradbury rant. Like uh, we may as well pulled up a Steve's rant from a few years ago and just played it now. Cause Ooh, that was yeah. one of the worst games I've ever seen. officiated. The- I mean, the one against
1: Marino, sure, he ran over. Oh, yeah, Marino around. deserved that one. That was just he stupid. Stood over top of him. That was taunting for sure. And the one for on the Ty Rogers, okay, he, he got a warning there, grabbing his crotch.
0: And at first, I thought he was just dancing, but apparently he loves the D 2
1: Yeah, so uh, that one was warranted. And to me, that's something that Craig Dickinson has to really work on. And he talked to uh, media on their one practice day on Tuesday here and said that's something that they're – talking in the locker room about is the discipline. He benched two players in practice just as a kind of a punishment. I don't know who they were. He wouldn't say who they who they were, but that they would shock you. You could probably guess, but it wouldn't be who you think it was. So, I mean, whatever. But it's just, this seems to be a Craig Dickinson problem. He just can't seem to get these guys to not cross that line. And There's- it's been like that in 2019. They were, what, the second most penalized team. 2021, they were the most penalized team. And it hurts them. Against seven other teams in this league, the game that they played on Saturday,
0: they would have lost. Craig Dickinson's biggest strength is also his biggest weakness. He's a player's coach. The players love him. But they I, I don't say they don't respect him because I think they do. But, Absolutely, they do. But they don't fear him. Like Chris Jones, many, many players claim he's a player's coach. There's players that will run through a wall for that man, but they, you know, for a fact, they are scared of him. Craig Dickinson doesn't scare anybody. I would love to go for a beer with him, man, but. Yeah, he's like a good dude. He's a young Ken Miller. Like everyone, everyone likes him. Everyone respects him, but he doesn't scare you. And in that fourth quarter. Marshall Ferguson brought this
1: up on social media as the uh, Cody Fajardo patented rolling back spinning left, which ended up actually working out because through touchdown pass to Mitch Pickton, uh, which ended up being the game winning score and the two point convert after that. I mean, Mitch Pickton, that was a blown coverage. There was nobody anywhere near him. My favorite part about that play is that you can actually see in the formation, Justin McInnes crosses uh, behind the offensive line in front of Fajardo and goes to the flats. And he looks at Fajardo, and just you can see his finger go like he's open. He points deep to to Mitch Picton, and Picton's fifteen yards open. So that was an easy pitch and catch for a score. Picton will never get an easier catch in the CFL, let alone an easier touchdown.
0: And I mean, Mitch Mitch Picton wins football games. That's why he was thrown in the West final. No, don't think so. No, no, no. But like I said, I don't care how many times that works. I still hate it. One of these days, Cody's going to come around the corner and get hit by a bus.
1: The Bombers play it perfectly a couple banjo bowls ago where they it was Jeff Hecht, just delayed, was on the outside waiting for him. And it happened multiple times. And even Cody Fajardo has addressed this before, saying he can't believe he gets away with it. And it's been 30 games that we've seen Cody Fajardo start in this league for the Riders. And I don't know how teams just don't get it yet. But... If I'm sending a blitz, or if I'm sending anybody, I'm sending a blitz off the the right side, and then once he starts turning out to the left, my guy on the left end is literally just going to be clock. in that spot. Like,
0: literally, he's, gonna,
1: he's going to get absolutely pummeled one time. He's going to turn around, and it's going to look like Buck Pierce. Like he's going to get smoked, and his helmet's going to go flying, and he's going to honestly deserve it. And I don't like saying that, but when you
0: play like that, it's going to come back and bite you. It just, it scares me every time he does it. And he was like, he, there was no one near him when he did it. Like the TSN feed had him on. Well, the TSN feed I could see half the time. Um, yeah. Like they had the white shot on each. You, you saw he was wide open on it and you saw picked in open. So, but one of these days, yeah, he's going to, he's going to get murdered.
1: No, I do like the idea of getting Cody out and, and moving around and not being just your typical pocket passer. Uh, they just got to find a better way to do that. Roll him out. Absolutely. Set, put him out to the left. Cause when he's running to his left, he doesn't miss. He's a very accurate quarterback doing that. And he's, he makes things happen. Just let's, let's actually start scripting it that way.
0: Yeah. Cody's definitely better on the move than he is in the pocket. Uh, there's no d- doubt about that. We, I don't know if that's by necessity in the first couple seasons. Cause that offensive line has been wishy-washy at best or. Uh, just he's better on the run, but he's definitely not your prototypical pocket passer, whether he wants to believe he is or not.
1: And so the riders took the lead on that pitch, picked in touchdown, and then they get the ball back and start running the ball. And that's when disaster struck this O line when Dan Clark got rolled up on broken leg, shifted ankle bone. He's out for a while, had surgery on Sunday. And the, so the broken leg, Belton Johnson had this injury in 2008. The exact same thing, broken fibula. He was back in 10 weeks. So it's not so much the broken leg part that that worries me about Dan Clark and and his long term availability. It's that shifted ankle bone. So yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't I've never heard of a shifted ankle bone. I've heard you know dislocating it and everything, but apparently this isn't a dislocation. It's a l- little bit less than that. I don't know, but.
0: It's a man, still. I don't know. A man that's, that's that a big, thing. a man that big, on your ankle, that's never good. Um, and he's
1: up, and he's getting up there in age. Like this could have potentially been his last year anyway. And hopefully, this it, we starting the show, the Piffles Podcast. We were hard on Dan Clark for for a while, but he turned into a very good offensive lineman. And it would be a shame to see his football career and this way, because that's not the way anybody should really go out.
0: Yeah. And, and I think if everyone's being fair, we, what we said wasn't offside and to be fair, he shoved it in our face. (laughs) Um, When he, when he got better and we ate crow and he's, and we've admitted he's gotten a lot better. So yes, like Dan Clark is an anchor on that team. And actually, it was very good to see not only did our team come over, but all the Elks came over as well um, yep. to check on him and to basically give him his props um, as as a player because it's a massive amount of respect for a guy who's been around this long, who's worked his way. Like, the, the dude came from the Regina Thunder. Like, he didn't go to a big program. He played on the Thunder when the Thunder were terrible. Yeah, wasn't wasn't drafted, anything like that. And the, the dude busted his ass on the, as a territorial junior did all the practice squad stuff, finally made his way on the roster and they used him in those uh, packages to, uh, for the big man touchdowns. And that's one of everyone's favorite photos is him celebrating his first touchdown there where number 77. Yep. yep. And, uh, yeah, no, he, he's, tur- he, he's busted his ass to become an anchor on this, uh, offensive line and. He's going to be in the Plaza of Honor someday, and he deserves it.
1: We all know that he is probably the toughest SOB in the league. Uh, I mean, dude got thrown out of a car and still played later that week. Like, this is is a very tough man, but this is a bad injury for the riders. So we now know that Logan Bandy is going to start for him this week in Montreal on Thursday, which is the – it makes the most sense, which I think coming on – onto a really short week here where there was only five days in between games that made the most sense to put Logan Bandy. He was the sixth lineman the first two games.
0: Yeah. That was your only option. The other option would be put Logan Bandy in somewhere else in the middle and move Johnson or Ferlin over. But I think Bandy makes the most sense. Um, Well, this
1: way you're moving one person instead of two or three to make exactly
0: no, exactly.
1: And just, just keep it as simple as possible for this one game, see how it goes. If it doesn't go anywhere near how we hope it could, then you have a lot of time to figure
0: it out for the next game. And, uh, and with Bandy, he was projected, he was like that draft, he was projected to go at one point anyway, first or second overall, he slid all the way to the fifth round. Like I remember dancing when he fell all the way to us, because I forgot he didn't even get drafted at that point. It was like, wait a second, we just got Bandy. How the hell that happened? So the dude obviously had a ton of potential somewhere he slipped along the line. So I hope he proves everyone wrong to let him just slip that far.
1: And I thought it was pretty cool with his uh, he did a scrum um, when it was announced that he was going to be the starter. And what was really cool was all the offensive line were behind the media watching his, uh, his interview, his very first interview. Cause uh, his first scrum anyway, uh, which was really cool. It shows that they have the cohesiveness uh, on that O-line and that they're clearly playing for each other, playing, you know, Logan Bandy said he's playing this game for Dan Clark. And generally speaking, that's how opportunities happen in football. They come at the expense of somebody else, usually from injury. And it's kind of a crappy way for it to happen. But now we're going to see what the potential future is of the Riders offensive line, especially with young Logan Ferland beside him and young Evan Johnson. So he was drafted to be the guy to replace Dan Clark to begin with. So we'll see how it goes.
0: And I understand this is an audio medium, but uh, Alex can see behind me, I have a picture of uh, Thomas Brady. And the dude is known as probably the greatest quarterback of all time. And he got hit. the only reason why he got a shot is because of injury. Unfortunately, this is how some players make the crack that roster. If it wasn't for that injury to Bledsoe, who knows if. Uh, Tom Brady ever would have got, the, uh, had the career he did. It's all about, opportu- it's all about opportunity.
1: The NFL would have been so much better for it. Easy now. Now, obviously a lot of people are asking, okay, well, what do you do long-term? Is this something do you call? We'll throw out a couple names here. Brendan Labat. Now that, uh, restrictions are kind of gone and that's, that's the reason why he didn't, uh, come back in 2021. His, his playing days are done. I think he's not coming back. He hasn't played in three calendar years. And I I think it's not that he doesn't want to admit that he's done. It's just that he just doesn't want a big deal made out of it.
0: And as I've said, if anyone's listened to his podcast with Derek Dennis, he talks about his career in the past tense. It sounds like he's packed that part away of his life behind him and he's ready to move on. Um, if you you can tell the guys that still have the itch that want to play they'll talk about like they're ready to play tomorrow he talks about his entire career in the past tense I think he's mentally done and he spent some time with his family
1: yeah I think he got that post football life and he turned he said hey that sounds pretty good I like I kind of like it let's keep doing it so uh, but the other name that people are throwing out what about Weyburn's Brett Jones he's a free agent after uh, spending a little bit of time in the NFL. He was with the Denver Broncos last year, but was put on IR. Um, played with the Vikings and the Giants before that.
0: Would you give a call to Brett Jones? I think, you're I, J.O., you make that phone call. It's, and I don't know if they could pay him the money that he obviously demands, but with it being a Hometown gray cup, that might be something that might tickle his fancy. But I think you gotta see what you got in bandy before you start panicking.
1: If you're Jo, I think you make that call to Brett Jones. But if you're Brett Jones, you you don't even entertain it because if you get a shot in the NFL, if another team comes calling, if injuries happen in training camp or preseason, you're probably gonna be one of the first guys called. And Do you want to lock yourself into a CFL contract where at best you're probably making 200 K pro rated for this year, where in the NFL, he's exhausted all his uh, practice roster eligibility. So he would get a full, he would have to be on the active roster. So he's pulling in 750 K. So if you're Brett Jones, you're not taking that call. You can't take that chance. If nobody calls you in the NFL, then, okay, maybe you sign on for in the, somewhere in the CFL for 2023. But for 2022, it makes no sense for Brett Jones to do that from a personal level.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I didn't even think about him until some people started throwing his name around. I'm like, I just don't see it happening. Like I said, you, JO, you make that call, but I doubt it's going to happen.
1: And uh, one more note here on the opening kickoff, it sounds like Duke Williams is questionable. He practiced, was limited, and... uh We'll see what happens. The depth chart comes out on Wednesday. So by the time anybody listens to this, we'll probably know uh, if Duke Williams is playing or not. Uh, Hopefully he does because that just makes the team that much better on offense and especially down, you know, a starting center. uh, You're going to need more playmakers to to be able to do
0: things, I guess. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but. Well, you could, you could definitely tell the, Team did not have their rhythm without Duke in the lineup. It uh, That offense kind of sputtered along there until Morrow started uh, busting holes. So, But that air attack was not where it needed to be until the very end of that
1: game. With just Shaq being out there and and Kean Schaefer Baker, honestly, and not a slight against those guys at all, but that offense didn't scare anybody. No. Well, that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festian of Royal LaPage Region of Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. I want to get to uh, one more thing from that Ryder Edmonton game, and people are ripping on it, was the interview with Victor Kui in in game, and people saying, stop it with the in-game interviews. In this one, Victor Kui, he did not want to be there. He didn't want to do it at all. You could tell he was trying to watch the game. He was into the game. And I don't know. I thought the questions that he was given – from glenster were just so vague and it's like what like what are your future plans well for what like give me a specific thing is it to get more people in the stands is it for the on-field product is it like what is it so it was really it was an awkward interview and it went on way too long what was it like seven eight minutes whatever it was oh this is something that should be do your interview with him the day before when you get suitor into edmonton and when you fly out so that they interview all the players and and you can grab victor at that point put together a five-minute feature
0: of the best stuff and say and play that at halftime. i don't think you even need to do that i remember when they used to like interview players and coaches ahead of time and intersplice that like you can still run that during a play split screen sure like we talked to Victor Kui. what he thinks about bringing people in the stands, and then you still then you have like a little picture-in-picture. Picture. You can do that, but yeah, poor Victor was trying to watch the game, and you could tell he was into it. And then you got Glenn Souter in here, asking you just vague, random questions, and they, they keep on like cutting to the camera to him, and you can see he's just watching the game, getting angrier and angrier as they're asking him questions. Like yeah, So stop,
1: stop doing those. Like okay. let's let's record them beforehand. Play them after they don't have to be live because they just get awkward. They always have been. When, look at uh, the lead singer of the Arkells, or sorry, of Arkells at the Grey Cup, uh, Max Kerman. He did not want to be there doing the interview. And he was he very blunt about it too. He was wanting to watch his team. Oh, but what about the performance? I don't care. My team's in the Grey Cup right now. <laughs> like, it's just so bad. Like, Keith Urban, he doesn't know anything about the CFL. You start asking about CFL. That's
0: that's the type of thing you let like Orleski do on the sideline or shanty or those guys. Like it's like one or two questions. Maybe it goes into a play, but to carry it over like an entire series is just too much. And I don't I don't know how they haven't figured out that it just does not work. All it does is piss off the fans that are trying to watch the game. Like what they did for the Hall of Fame game where they just like cut to cut to them like little interspersions It was fine. They didn't need them on for six minutes.
1: No, even a couple of those went, uh, went a little too bit long. too long, oh, yeah. but still that's, that's what they should be doing. So I know there were a lot of people upset about how that uh, went, just trying to watch the game. And it just, I think it was, uh, what was it? Was that, that was on uh interception. Yeah. I had an interception and, If you were just kind of casually, if you had the game on in the background and you had to go around to the kitchen or anything like that, you would have had no idea that the Riders got
0: an interception. Yeah, it's it's hard for Nielsen to be excited about a Riders interception when Queen's sitting right beside him. (laughs) What do you think of that one, Victor? (laughs) But no, like, oh wow, it just there's better ways of doing it, and for some reason, they keep on picking the wrong way. No, no one. No one likes do like you can tell the, the guests don't like doing it and the fans don't like it so I don't know who likes it, but they keep on doing it anyway.
1: I want to get to one of the other games last week: Hamilton and Calgary. Ticats blowing a twenty-four nothing lead, losing to Calgary thirty-three to thirty in overtime. Um, I'm not going to get into specifics about the game,
0: but I can't know why oh. TSN Direct sucks. Their feed was bad that game. I lost my, I literally lost my feed basically at halftime, and it kept on cutting out. And then by the time I got it working again, the game was tied. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Hamilton just can't close games out. And this goes back a few years
1: now. This goes back to the Grey Cup last year. It goes back to the, great, the year before. This even goes back to 2014 when they lost the Grey Cup to Calgary. This team just can't finish games. And over the last couple of years, and I like this guy, I really, really do. I think he's one of the best minds in the CFL, one of the best coaches. And he's still super young and he's only going to get better. But at what point, if you're the Hamilton Tiger Cats, do you look at the coach? You can only change players so much, but if nothing changes in this team, they're they're good, but they never win when it matters the most. They have trouble finishing out games. At what point do you look at Orlando Steinhauer and maybe look at replacing him?
0: I, I get it. I, you're not wrong by any means. But I, I also guess I'm not living in that situation where like, they're becoming the Buffalo Bills of the CFL where they just keep on making the final and just can't get it done. So I guess at some point you look at like, well, we're making the Great cop. We're We're winning the East. So they've got sustained success, but at some point they got to get over the hump and I just don't see it happening.
1: I'm not suggesting that they go out and fire him right now, but I don't know who they would replace him with. It would be some old guy, which is not what that team needs. I think they need to have that youthful, uh, you know, coach, a hall of fame coach that's in there now. I just, I don't know. It's like, I'm torn on it too, because I would, I personally I think there would be every other team would make a phone call if Orlando Steinauer somehow became available.
0: But the same question we asked about the Riders, when do you when do you fire Dickinson? He gets us he gets us close. The Riders hosted the West uh, uh, final 2 years ago or 3 years ago. Years ago. So when do you go okay we can't go any further with you on this.
1: Well, and it's actually interesting because you bring up the parallel there because this is kind of Cody Fajardo's make or break year. That's That was the storyline going into the season. Hamilton kind of doing the same thing with Dane Evans. They're going all in on Dane Evans. And if, he turned, and if it turns out that they made the wrong decision and Jeremiah Mazzoli ends up lighting it up for Ottawa and Dane Evans doesn't really progress any, it's kind of an interesting parallel with those two teams. Now I'm not suggesting either team makes a change because it's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. And I'm just, maybe it's just my thought of, you know, hockey coaches, right? Because you can get to the playoffs 10 straight years, but if you lose in the first round every single year, you're going to get canned, but there's also 31 other, you know, teams that have, coaches on their staff that you might be looking at to replace with anyway. So in the CFL it's it's I mean obviously with only nine teams there's not a a huge pool of coaches that you're going to grab from.
0: And sometimes the the coach you think is the next coach up is not uh not not a head coach, I E Greg Marshall. So <laughs> god I sort of got I got PTSD from that year. I don't like I don't even remember it. But it's yeah, no it's tough like Steiner great football mind. Maybe he's not a head coach. There's a lot of guys out there that are like that. But at the same time, his guys play for him, and they, they are very, very close. They were an overtime away from win, uh, beating Winnipeg last year. Interception yep. and overtime looked familiar. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for Hamilton to get over that hump. I just hope they don't do it this year if they're playing the Riders in Regina.
1: And the Canadian football hall of fame class of 2022 is announced. The classes of 2020 and 2021 were just inducted this past, uh, officially with the ceremony, just this past, uh, weekend in Hamilton, obviously with COVID shutting things down in 2020 and, and restrictions in Ontario in 2021, we not able to have anything in the last couple of years, but, uh, going in this year, plenty of rider ties here with, uh, Paul McCallum going in in the kicker category makes sense. He's the second leading all-time scorer in the CFL. Only two players have 3,000 points in their career, and he's one of them. So
0: to me, that's a no-brainer. Oh, well-deserved. Best And also the best XFL jersey of all time. (laughs) Good old CFL Uh, reject. He actually has had the first
1: points in the original XFL. Yes, he did. Going in, Roy Shivers, 32-year career in the CFL. Obviously brought in tons of great players with his time in Calgary, Birmingham. That's where he brought in Eddie Davis, uh, took him to Calgary and then brought him here to Saskatchewan Won two great cups in BC as well with uh, the, in the player personnel department there has four great cups total to me. Roy was a no brainer.
0: It's and I'm just gonna be blunt. It's, it's a joke. He's not in the Plaza of Honor. Holding that grudge against him for whatever reason. You you, you can love the man and you can hate the man, but, put some respect on that man like he, that team in the
1: 90s in the late 90s were was winning three games and having telethons yep this man came in and he literally turned it around he made this place a destination now he didn't get them over the hump that was what eric tillman and kent austin did but he got but, them to
0: so be honest tillman and austin it's like it's, they took roy's team and won yeah they did <laughs> it, it's it's the danny machocha great cop i'm sorry it's the same thing like Machocha didn't make that team. He just kind of took it and ran with it. And did the same, th- and same thing with Tillman and uh, Austin. It was Roy's team. They were just fortunate enough that Ottawa shut their doors and we got a decent quarterback. That's what put us over the hump. So, yeah, Roy built that team, whether anyone wants to admit that or not. Yeah, it's, put Roy he, in. He, yeah, put, put Roy him in the in. plaza. Like, it's yeah,
1: a, Roy and Danny need to go in the plaza. Danny should be in there as well, too. Agreed. Agreed.
0: Um, the
1: other rudder tie going into the, uh, football, the Canadian football hall of fame class in the media wing is Glenn Suter. Um, which is to me, it's weird that he, he's not in there as a player and he should be one of the best safeties this league has ever seen, but he's not in the hall of fame as a player, but he's going in for his work with, the uh, CFL on TSN.
0: I guess he's in like good for him, but yeah, it's, we, we kind of got a heads up that there's going to be a bunch of rider ties and I was going through the list. I'm like, well, Suter's not in. And I'm like, well, maybe, but I, I did not expect the media wing. I, I thought maybe he finally get in as a player, but, but good, good for uh, good for suits. I know not, not a lot of people like that, but who cares? Well, but you know what he, if you look at it now, a lot of people are actually calling for him to be the next commissioner.
1: And that just goes based off the fact that right now there's nobody championing this league more than Glenn Suter. He truly believes in this league. He believes in Canadian players, especially in this league. And it shows through on the broadcast. Look what every single storyline right now in any Glenn Suter game is. It's about a Canadian
0: player. Oh, yeah. Glenn Suter is the league's biggest cheerleader. And for a while there, Randy was. And then public opinion turned on Randy. And now, I don't know. I think he needs to be on a Mel carton because I don't know when the last time I saw Randy Ambrosi do anything, to be honest. It's been a while. No, yeah, your commissioner needs to be out there, and yeah. But I don't think Suits would want to take the pay cut. No, probably not.
1: (laughs) And uh, other names going in, I can't believe I'm saying this as other names. This is the headliner of the class. Ricky Ray, arguably one of the top, what, three quarterbacks of all time
0: in the CFL? Top Uh, five for sure. You could easily, yeah, he's definitely in the hunt of the best quarterback of all time in the CFL. It's, it's a tough list, but he's definitely yeah top, two, top three, top five.
1: When, when you look at uh, football, it, everybody measures success on championships. He has the most out of any starting quarterback with four. Doug Flutie never had four. Ricky Ray does, though. He does. To me, obviously, no-brainer. And I love Ricky Ray's story of, of uh, coming up to playing professional football as a former chip truck driver and uh, merchandiser. He, he's
0: is CFL's Kurt Warner.
1: Yeah, but and it's a fantastic story. It's really that's cool. Great. And uh, uh, we talked to him at CFL Week a couple of years ago. I was going to say,
0: Doug Flutie's never been on Pimple's Pod. Ricky Ray has that's, been on Pitbull's
1: Pod. That's true. I'm working on that still. Darren Flutie never even gets an answer from him. He won't even get an answer, give an answer to his brother Darren. Yeah. Even, even a no, he won't even do that. <laughs> uh, but I thought honestly, when we interviewed Ricky Ray at uh, CFL week, he was going to be so cliche. He was going to be just a kind of whatever. Like we didn't, honestly, we didn't ask for him because I didn't think he'd be that good, to be honest. And then the CFL, Lucas with the CFL, brought him by our our booth there and says, Hey guys, you got time for Ricky Ray? Oh, yeah, of course we do.
0: No, not we. We
1: never have time for Ricky Ray. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he turned out to be one of the best interviews
0: that we had there. That was a fun interview. And that, because I was, one that I hopped in on because Steve went to go get coffee or something. He came back and me and you're talking to Ricky Ray and his eyes just pop out of his head. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that was, that was a great, we should actually find that and repost it. Cause it was a really good interview. Uh, that was a, and, that, and that's another reason why I miss CFL week. You don't get access to players like that anymore. Um, and it's just good for people to see other sides of uh, players. Cause like you said, I thought Ricky Ray was going to be as boring as a blank piece of paper. And it was a very good interview.
1: Also going in, Chip Cox, uh, the linebacker for Montreal, and he was solid. I never thought of him when he was playing as like looking at him and saying this is a Hall of Famer. But man, for that what
0: twelve year stretch, thirteen year stretch, whatever he played, he was so good. And that's what I got today. That was, that was a lot of people were like I never thought Chip Cox would be a Hall of Famer. Then when you think about it,
1: yeah, his, his longevity. He's
0: And the production he put out there, and I can't remember who, someone posted that teams actually had to focus on Chip Cox because he was that disruptive. So, yeah, it's little things that um, we fans don't pay attention to that makes a difference, and Chip Cox definitely well-deserving.
1: Tricky Dick Thornton is going in as well.
0: Tim Tyndale.
1: Dave Ritchie as a builder. I was surprised Dave Ritchie is not in there yet.
0: I, I once again name I thought was in already well deserving, um, yeah. You can't say enough good things about Dave Ritchie. Hell of a football mind. Uh,
1: Keith Evans going in as a builder as well. He was from the Calgary uh, Colts. Calgary Colts, yep, very, very big in building football in Alberta, and uh, someone who spent some time at the Regina Leader Post as well too. Greg, I know you're a big fan of this one.
0: Big Actually, This was actually probably the low-key one that I was probably, I don't say I'm the only one excited for, but I'm glad Ed Ed is getting his due because he deserves it. Anyone who, if you haven't like I put on Twitter today, if you haven't read End Zones and Border Wars are you even a CFL fan? It is such a great book about the American expansion of the CFL and the stories in it are wild. Just the stuff he got from Reinbold about Vegas alone are well worth the price of the book. It is such a good book. Uh, Check it out. But I'm
1: going into the Canadian Football Hall of Fame class of 2022. So it was a very good class that they announced.
0: Oh, yeah. Top to bottom. Really, 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 really good class. I I can't I can't fault any of those choices. Very good. Well, there's your
1: Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Let's take a look at the Riders game this week. Thursday night. Recklaws night. CFL on TSN.
0: Riders in Montreal, and uh, I've got I got a few issues about this game. It's in Montreal. It's on Thursday. Those are never good for the riders. Ever. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, two thousand seven.
1: It was good because that was the first and God oh, might have been in the last time that they ever won. No, nah, they won once more. Or they won the Johnny Manziel game. No, uh, I mean, well, everyone
0: would be, be Johnny Manziel
1: <laughs> in Montreal. But yeah, they they never ever won in Montreal. Uh, except for 2007, I'll never forget Henry Childs mm. catching the. Uh, that was the game-winning touchdown, or that was the uh, like the day after they traded for West Cates, but uh, Cates couldn't be in the roster that early or whatever it was. But 2007, that uh, that set the tone for the season was uh, winning that game in Montreal. I think well, every it was game in 2007 set like, the
0: tone the blackout game labor day that game every game in 2007 set the tone for that (laughs) That
1: (laughs) you know come to think of it there's been some really weird things happening with the riders and alouettes games in montreal you look at last season when it was or the 2019 season where the game got
0: uh um yep
1: the lightning delay and they just the game had enough uh time in it whereas midway through the third and they just Oh, that's it. That's the game.
0: Well, the <laughs> Riders only needed uh, three quarters to win. That's we, we, we know that. But yeah, no, I just, the, the I don't know. I this this feels. We talked about last week being a trap game. This feels like it's not going to go in the Riders' favor. But I don't know. It,
1: yeah, it just feels like that. I mean, especially with a big injury on the O line, it just seems like. Disaster is almost waiting around the corner where it's going to be just a blowout for Montreal. Like we've seen this before, where eh, whatever they get blown out in Montreal, it's not a big deal. This seems to happen every second year anyway. Um, then again, it's Trevor Harris, so I'm not worried about it. It's gonna be a lot of field goals, and that's yeah, that's the thing. It's Trevor Harris starting the game. Vernon Adams Jr. has COVID, so he's uh, he's out for this game. It was really weird that he got pulled, Vernon Adams Jr. by Kahari Jones after only throwing four times in their game last week, going two for four. It's not like he was awful, but after three series, Kari Jones is on the hot seat. Danny Machocha now is GM. He wants, I think he wants that sideline gig. I think he wants to to do both. And he wants Trevor Harris. He doesn't want Vernon Adams Jr. Wait, wait,
0: wait. Are you saying that a Montreal GM rather be on the sideline and will fire his head coach just to put himself on the sideline? That's never happened. It doesn't happen in Montreal. There's no. no example that I can point to that pops to mind that would, that, that would come like, I'm thinking, but I just can't get it to pop up. Like, uh, what is it? There, there's a name. Oh, uh, whatever. Someone will figure it out and tell me. Uh, I, yeah, I, Kari's in a, in a bad spot. It's never good when a head coach is there for a new GM. Because the GM, whether it's himself or someone else, he wants his head coach in place. He wants his players in place. Um, It's obvious that Machocha wanted Trevor Harris in Montreal because they signed him when they didn't have to. They had Vernon Adams under contract, and they made sure to sign Harris back, even though he did nothing after uh, Vernon Adams got hurt last year. So... I don't know. It, it's a weird, it's a weird situ- situation in Montreal, but I love their owner on Twitter. I'm just going to put it that way. Gary, Stern. Gary Stern's been
1: fantastic on social, which you can tell that he's very brand new to social. He kind of has no idea what's going on, but uh, he's trying and that's, he's interacting with people and you see that with Victor qui and, and what, what he's doing in Edmonton and it's getting people back. And that's, that's excellent. And, there's been multiple times just over the last week that Gary Stern has gone on Twitter and said, well, I've gone to the ticket office and we're still not sold out yet. So if you're in school, we're giving tickets away for X amount of dollars or Hey, half price tickets for this group of of people. And he just wants people in the doors.
0: He bought all of his American employees, ESPN plus subscriptions so they can watch Alouette's games.
1: (laughs) I, get, get people watching and paying attention to the games, get them in there. And I know for, you know, it like, it's a weird thing to have discounted tickets all the time and you're going to for some reason upset season ticket holders and people who paid full price for that. Well, eh, that's your problem for doing that. I guess that, but you also guarantee yourself a ticket. There's no guarantee any other way, yeah. but um, I know you don't want to devalue your product. But the bottom line is you've got to get people in the stands and you look at what bc is doing in edmonton obviously they can do a few more of the, the big promotions like that because they have the capacity to be able to do that bc had to cap ticket sales to their home opener at thirty four thousand because they couldn't get enough staff to work the upper decks and the concessions and everything
0: and, and they, they didn't drop want the to price be a on fat. all the concessions
1: like, yeah and Amar Doman's talking about going back to five dollar beers and hot and and hot dogs and stuff like that. And he says, if I have to subsidize, subsidize it, so be it. But I want our fans to be able to afford to come to games. And that's fantastic.
0: That's the stuff. That's the stuff you have to do to get people in. Like, that's actually one thing I noticed about the Ryder games this year. They're actually advertising family combos at all the, all the, all the food uh, stuff. It's still $34, but it's better than buying each stuff individually. You're taking a family of four. It's, at least are finally starting to listen to the fans when saying saying this is getting too expensive. But there's still steps that need to be made. But the funny thing is, it's all the new
1: guys coming in that are doing that. Amar Doman, Gary Stern, Victor Quee. It's all the new guys. It's not the old guys that have been there in the CFL for a while. These are brand new to the league guys, and these are businessmen, they're oh, not the football
0: way- guys. Yeah,
1: by yeah. any means, they're not. They're not. Yep a steel owner you have an MMA guy and you have uh, a local businessman I off the top of my head I don't know what our mar Domin owns but um, I want to say
0: lumber something lumber yeah that
1: sounds right but um but like it's a it's they're they're businessmen nothing related to football whatsoever and to see them come in and, and do this kind of stuff that's what's going to change and we've been talking about marketing the league for the last however many years that's what's going to change, and it's going to be a great change for the league.
0: All I know is watching Kui and Stern on Twitter makes me want to find Reynolds' uh burner account because you know he's got one. <laughs> like watch it be like something stupid, like ride profit. Like I, I just want to find that. I just want to find that burner account. Could you imagine Craig Reynolds is fake gainer? I was gonna say that, but I didn't want to give that, I didn't want to give fake gainer any any love on that one. <laughs> well, anyway, get back, getting back to the actual game itself,
1: obviously, be interesting to see how uh, how Montreal's offense does because they haven't really been able to do much this season so far. A couple close losses, obviously, to start the season, but um, Trevor Harris starting that game. He's got Eugene Lewis has looked fantastic so far this season, looking like a top two receiver in this league. I'm really curious about this game, obviously. We're going to come full circle here and go back to the Riders O-line. Logan Bandy is going to be going up against Armando Sewell. Mm-hmm. Fantastic tackle. <laughs> okay, so I guess. It's, uh, that's uh, that's going to be a tough one.
0: Yeah, well, welcome to your first start, kid. That's definitely going to be interesting. I'm I'm more interested on the other side of the ball. Without standback. what's Walter Fletcher going to look like? Uh, as, as his first start as an Alouette because sta- the loss of stand back definitely takes a, a wrinkle out of their offense. So, and the way our offense is playing, I, sorry, our defense is playing, I don't know if Montreal actually has an answer for it. Yeah, Eugene Lewis can spread the field, but once again, I don't have faith in Trevor Harris. I wasn't kidding when I said I see a lot of field goals because he talk about someone who can't finish, it's Trevor Harris.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. I'm uh, looking forward to this, and hopefully, uh, like, to me, there's something different about this riders team than we've seen the last couple. Like, I think they do have that edge now, and I think uh, be, I'm curious about Cody Fajardo because he was actually in a in a knee brace um, in their practice this week. So is his mobility going to be limited a little bit? He says he's going to tough it out, and he's going to, you know, go all out like he always does, uh, so I'm not too terribly worried about that, I just wonder if that's going to have any effect on his game at all.
0: It's definitely like we were talking about before. Cody's better when he's on the move. Obviously, a knee brace is going to affect his mobility a little bit, but hopefully, it, it kicks him out of that left hand turn a little, a little quicker. But I don't know. I I think the I I want to say I think the ultimate I think the riders are going to win, but. These these Toronto, these uh, Alouette uh, Montreal games are always wild.
1: Well, with that, let's get to our pick for this week, and, and that's the first game of the week,
0: Thursday night.
1: Riders at Montreal. So you're going with the Riders?
0: I'm going with the Riders.
1: <sighs> it just feels like that's one of those games that's set up for the Riders to just have something bad happen on the scoreboard, not lose anybody to injury, but just don't come in prepared. I mean, only one game of – only one day of practice like that's that's tough especially on a road trip going the, back-to-back road games on only five days the good I, news I is
0: Montreal. The, well, the good news is though well, good news bad news i don't know the league seems there's no elite this year like like it kind of backfired on me when i said no one in the west scares me and then calgary came storming back on hamilton but they don't scare me i'm sorry the easily handled hamilton and calgary Barely got the win on them. Uh Winnipeg looks human against Ottawa. Like everyone says they want parity. I think we finally got it this year, but I don't think Montreal is going to beat the Riders. Hamilton at Winnipeg. Hamilton's got to win this one. They cannot go 0-3. If they go 0-3, oh my God. I and like I said, I don't, Winnipeg doesn't scare me this year. They don't look as good as they. I, I also think Hamilton needs to beat Winnipeg just so Dane Evans can get some breathing room.
1: Well, it's that mental psyche as well too, right? You lose to Winnipeg twice in the, in the Grey cup. You're going to take this one a little bit more personally than you would uh, any other normal game against a, you know, a non-division opponent. So I'm with you. I think Hamilton does actually take this in a really close game. We have our first battle of Alberta with the Elks at Calgary. I think we're both going to be in agreement here that chris jones is actually going to demolish this game it's going to be awesome and the elks will win right
0: <laughs> i i really don't know on this one actually i actually i want to see edmonton win i'm going to go with edmonton but uh i still i don't like edmonton's makeup at all but uh, we will we'll go with edmonton though
1: i feel like i was just trying to sell myself on it there's no way that edmonton can
0: be Calgary right
1: now it's not labor day where anything could happen this is this is a regular game and it's a Chris Jones a new Chris Jones team takes a while to gel we saw that here in Saskatchewan so I can't see them being any good especially cutting more players and they and they, they got rid of shy Ross
0: they told you yeah, Shay Ross could the flip out of here like,
1: like that's I, I I don't know what he's doing at this point but too much turnover week after week until he finds his guys we know this is exactly what Chris Jones does but they're going to be Bad for a while before they find the, the right guys and then they'll get better. So, I'm going with Calgary in this one. And the final game of the week, which I actually think is going to be the best game of the CFL week three Toronto at BC. I'm curious to see how many tickets BC sells for this one and uh, if they can get close to that 25,000, maybe 30,000 um, attendance just because of uh, the bye week crashing on them last week and losing all momentum that they had from week one.
0: I like BC. Um, Toronto traveling out west. I like BC because I don't think Toronto's that good. I don't think BC's that good, but I think they're going to hold, hold the serve at home.
1: Yeah, I think this will actually be a, a really high scoring game. I think this will be, if you like offense, this will be the game for you. And I think BC pulls it out late. So going with BC there. All right. Well, that's it for us on the Piffles podcast here this week. Pivotless podcast is brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive-In Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal Page Regina Realty, Churchill Brewing Company, and of course our friend and your Olympic hero Kurt Angle for making this show possible. Pivotless podcast is a proud member of the CFP and the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Ghost Behind Your Mind by Tyler Gilbert. The ghost behind your mind.